Welcome, my lovelies. And today is Nero Wolf Monday. A huge shout out to my top cities that listen Lenore, Spanish Lake, Conroe, and South End on Sea. You beauties. First up is the Vanishing Shells episode. A man is shot. His chest, his head. Where on earth did those bullets go? And your second episode, A Party for Death. Where jealousy runs rife, poison pills are in bags of the unsuspecting, and one of my favorite lines is uttered by Nero Wolf regarding one of the inspectors. I'm at Central Headquarters, and Inspector Kramer has been chatting with me about my shady friends. Kramer is a jackass. Just a second. Uh, pick up the other phone, will you, Inspector? Uh, sorry, Mr. Wolf, what was that you were saying about Inspector Kramer? I said Kramer is a jackass. Thank you. Wait a minute. Collins is killed and Nero is the only one who knows who did it. Certainly not the inspector. So, let's jump right on inmates and I won't hold you for one moment more from the large and bellowing Nero Wolf and his complaining sidekick, Archie Goodwin. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, the ringing of that phone bell means mystery, adventure. Nero Wolf's office, Archie Goodwin speaking. Mr. Wolf? No, he isn't. Huh? Oh, well. For you, maybe he is. I'm not here. Oh, yes, yeah. He's always here. I've gone out. No, no. He seldom ever goes out. I won't start on anything tonight. Oh, sure. He'd love to start on a case tonight. What's your name? Oh, that's a beautiful name. Address? Archie, it's another woman. Hang up. No, no, no. Honest, I'm not Mr. Wolf, but I'm his agent. I'll be right over, miss. Goodbye. What's her trouble? Where are you going? Well, she said she's received some threatening notes and she's afraid to leave her hotel. So long, boss. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that genius who is the bulkiest, bulkiest, most ponderous, and most brilliant detective in the world. Yes, none other than that chairborne mass of unpredictable intellect, Nero Wolf, created by Rex Stout and brought to you in a new series of adventures over this NBC network in the person of Mr. Sidney Greenstreet. We prefer to call tonight's story the case of the vanishing shells. It didn't seem to be difficult at first, but, well, I'm not a stupid individual, but so often... Ooh, so often I allow myself to become mesmerized by beautiful women. Yeah. Heaven bless them. Doris Murray was such a woman. She phoned us first late one afternoon about 5 o'clock, and again at 5.30. Very well, Mr. Goodwin, but I, I would prefer to see Mr. Wolf. Well, I said I'd be there at 6, Miss Murray. I don't want to talk any longer on the phone. Please hurry. There, There's someone at the door. I'll see you in the cocktail lounge at your hotel. Six o'clock. That's half an hour. Don't fail. Who is it? Emil Sona. Oh, come in, Emil. You got my call, darling. Here, let me take your briefcase. I, I, I'll just put it here on the piano, Doris. Oh, I'm terribly upset about those threatening notes, darling. I, I know it's upset you, too, but I'm determined to find out who it is. I'm not going to let them bluff me out of my first chance to play the star part in one of your shows. But look, Doris, there's that other part. Other? Is that all I mean to you? But what can they divulge that'll harm us? What? Several things. And I can't afford a... I mean at this time... You're frightened, Amo. Doris, I'm going to give the star part to Paula. Paula! You've been divorced for four years. Why? Because I feel she can... And play it better. Is that what you're going to say? Well, I can act rings around her. Now, 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 look, Doris. I know it's a big disappointment to you, but that's the way it is. Get out. Get out. Go on across the hall to Paula. Give her the part. Louse up your show. She and that playwright of hers. Get out, Emil. But, Doris. You frightened little... Get out. <laughs> I believe, Mr. Wolf, you're making a great mistake in not coming along. Indeed. I'm sure that what attracts you could not possibly be of interest to me. The gal needs help. Money is money. 
Girls, money, food. Yeah, well, we could have dinner out for a change. They have one of the finest chefs in town at that hotel. You're most impolite. I'm trying to read this book. Poetry. Archie. Uh, yes, sir? Shut up. Uh, yes. But we need money. That filthy green cabbage is necessary to our existence. This may be a tough case, you know. I... You're sufficiently intelligent. Sometimes. If I sat around like you do, I'd weigh 500 pounds, too. How'd you leave the room besides it's only 300? What a way to run a business. Orchids, beer, books. Don't keep the charming kind waiting. Okay, I'm going, I'm going. And always remember, there is a telephone. Thank you, waiter. Oh, good evening, Miss Moray. I'm Archie Goodwin. Well, I didn't expect... I mean, please sit down. Well, I think I should explain the absence of Nero Wolf. There's, uh, there's so much of him that it's not too convenient to transport it above. I do all the outside work. And I'm sure you do it well. Mr. Well, you know, some women call me Goodwin and some call me Mr. Goodwin. And, uh... Yes. The unattached call me Archie. Hello, Archie. Oh, splendid. I'm glad to hear it. Now we can get right down to the nasty old business that's troubling you, Doris. First, here's the 500 retainer fee. Well, thank you. Now, what's the note about? Well, there are two notes, both printed by hand. Uh-huh. Will you hand me my purse, please? Oh, sure. Thank you. Now, I see Doris Moray. If you fail to withdraw from the cast of Stoner's next production by start of rehearsals Monday, both you and Stoner will have a blasted reputation and perhaps other injuries... From which you'll be unable to recover. The other one is like it, only more vehement. Someone or a group of someones are intent on keeping you out of Stoner's shows, huh? It's too bad. This next one is said to be a sure smash hit. And a star-making part for the leading woman. Yes, Emil Stoner wants me to play it. He's been planning on it ever since David Banning wrote the play. What does David Banning think of your playing the part? Well, I... I don't think he's too enthused about it. You see, Mr. Stoner and Paula Kenyon have been divorced for four years, but... She has continued to be his top leading woman. Now she's engaged to David Banning, who wrote this plan. Oh. Makes things a bit difficult. Well, of course, Rick Hunter, Stoner's director, is... Hunter's somewhat in favor of your playing the part. Well, Rick Hunter is very fond of my work. And very fond of you as well, huh? Yes, unfortunately. I... I like Rick Hunter tremendously, but... Amos Stoner has been of greater interest to me... In fact, we're more or less engaged, Mr. Goodwin. Oh, well, had any words lately with the ex-Mrs. Stoner, Paula Canyon? Is that her name? Paula and I were great friends when I first joined the Stoner Productions, but I don't know. She, I don't think she appreciated the fact that Mr. Stoner and Rick Hunter, the director, took such an interest in me. Tell me, did you ever think you were in love with Rick Hunter? Yes. At first, I was thrilled by his artistic imagination. And then as time went on, I realized that he was subject to melancholia. Mr. Stoner was more stable, and I needed someone older to advise me. Well, what's wrong with your reputation of Mr. Stoner's? Well, there's nothing I fear, but I'm afraid Mr. Stoner is somewhat disturbed by these threats. He, he feels there's something in his past of sufficient import to really harm him. I think it's nonsense. Well, then what we have to do is uncover this person or persons before you end up with ruined careers on Broadway. Where does the ex-Mrs. Stoner live? Well, as a matter of fact, she lives just down the hall from me. Lived here for years. Oh, well, I think it's advisable, honey, that you stay close to your room until we solve this thing. But I'm not afraid for my life, Archie. No? Well, I am. I'll see you into your room, Doris. Oh, now, please, Mr. Goodwin, if you... you don't trust the boy, huh? Well, I... Such beautiful eyes. Lovely red hair. You could have the lead in my new play. I never wrote one, but for you, I'll try anything. Come along. Here's your bag. Well, hello, Doris. Oh, Hello, Rick. Mr. Goodwin, this is Rick Hunter. Hiya, Hunter. Nice shows you've been putting on. I've just been admiring your work, Goodwin. Oh, well, that's nice. I'm glad. Nothing like encouragement for a beginner, Mr. Hunter. You're ready for the big time from what I saw. Heard from Emil Stoner today, Doris? I talked to him once this morning. Uh, have you been sitting in the cocktail lounge all afternoon? Yeah. <laughs> that I have, honey. I want to see you play that lead, baby. I think I've just about got it all settled. Dreaming about it won't settle it. Licker never accomplished anything in itself. Come on, Mr. Goodwin. He's a very jealous man, Doris. In fact, right now, I can feel his thoughts piercing me between the shoulder blades. Oh, excuse me, here's a phone. 
Yes, Archie? How do you know it's Archie? I felt the time was exactly right for you to call. I wish you felt it was time to earn some money. Is this a worthwhile case? Well, she's a beautiful redhead, and, uh... And that, of course, makes it very worthwhile. Yeah, well, I got 500 as a retainer. Fooey, a pittance, and probably all you'll ever get. What do you mean by that? She's probably guilty. Now look, boss, she's the victim. Received notes threatening her reputation and her health if she plays the star part in Emil Stoner's new production. Also, they threatened Emil Stoner, likewise. The playwright, Dave Banning, is engaged to Paula Kenyon. Incidentally, she lives here at the hotel, too, just down the hall from Doris. I remember. And the playwright wants Paula Kenyon to play the part. Well, Archie, you have only the beginning. It is probably too late to prevent whatever is going to happen. Like what, for instance? Have you found a body yet? Call me after you find the body. What body? There's no body. But there will be, Archie. There's always a body where you're concerned. Either a body beautiful or a dead one. Bye. Thanks for seeing me to my room, Archie. Oh, I'm not stopping here, Doris. I'll take a look inside. But I'm not... Oh, I insist. Part of my job, you know. If I fail to take every precaution, Mr. Wolf would never... But look in that chair. Amy. Amy? Emil Stoner? Oh, three red dots on his shirt front. Uh-huh. Right. Doris, Doris, hold on. I, I'm all right. He's all, I'm all right. All right, sit down. That's it. Oh. Now, let's see. The body's still warm. What's this crumpled in his left hand? A horoscope. Between the fingers of his right hand, an unlit cigarette. My grand PK. Paula Kenyon. This horoscope is for March. Something he picked up from your desk here? I don't believe in astrology. Where'd he get this cigarette with Paula Kenyon's monogram? Oh, poor Emil. Poor Emil. I, I didn't believe anyone would really harm us. Why was I so stubborn? When did you see him last? Please, shouldn't we do something? Call the police. No, 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 not yet. When did you see him? Well, I, I saw him this morning. I'm so shocked I can hardly think clearly. Doris. Yes? There's a briefcase here on the piano with a newspaper on top of it. What? Oh, it, it is, yes. It's it's Amos. He, he must have left it here this morning. That's strange. Emil Stoner was bald, but... But what? Well, I'm sure he's a man who always wore a hat, but I see no hat. He must have come up the elevators. I went down to meet you. Who would know he'd come up here? Your director, Rick Hunter, he said he'd been in a bar all afternoon. What else was it he said? Thought he had everything just about settled. Oh, no, he couldn't. He just... Oh, Mr. Goodwin, I, I couldn't believe that. I can believe anything about anybody. I learned that the hard way. In my book, everybody's guilty until proved otherwise. Even you, baby. What? Even you. Yeah. A Herald Tribune newspaper. Are you sure you haven't seen him since this morning, Doris? What are you doing? Absolutely nothing. Someone came in here and shot him. Call the police. I insist. Maybe... What? Maybe I did leave my door unlocked. Why did I do that? They couldn't open the door otherwise, could he? No. Give me the check room, please. Oh, hello. Did you, uh... Do you know Mr. Emil Stoner, the producer? You do? Well, uh, tell me, did he check his hat with you this afternoon or this evening? He didn't, huh? All right, thanks. He must have carried it up here to this floor. Doris, do you have a gun? I own a gun. A small twenty-five automatic. But it's not here. Where is it? I had the handle repaired and it's been in my dressing room for a week or two. I hate to do this, Doris, but I'm going to move the body away from the back of that chair. There. There are three wounds. One bullet went through the upper part of the chest, out the middle of the back. It's right through the heart. By the angle of the wound, he was shot while sitting down. Please, Mr. Goodwin, must we stay here? I, I want to give this room a thorough going over. We'll go down to the lobby. I want to use that phone booth again. And, Doris, I hope... I know what you're going to say. You hope that gun of mine... Is still in your dressing room at the theater. Yeah, Wolf speaking. That's so kind of you to say so. I would be just thrilled to have your autograph on the bottom of a paycheck. Why are you calling from a phone booth? What? Who said I was? 
It's obvious. There's no room tone reverberation. Well, you shouldn't have to ask. You know everything before it happens. You found the body then. Happened just before you got there. Oh, now, look. I took the girl up to a room to be sure it was safe for her to go in, and... <laughs> okay, okay. And there, sitting in a big leather chair, was Emil Stoner. Shot three times with a small caliber gun. Dead about an hour. One shot went through the body from the upper part of the chest to the middle of the back. Therefore, he was shot while sitting down. The killer was standing, huh? I'm listening. Clutching a horoscope folder, and between the index and second finger of the right hand was an unlit cigarette with a monogram on it, P.K. Emil Stoner is bald, but there was no hat in the room. However, on the piano was his briefcase, and on top of it, a four o'clock afternoon edition of the Herald Tribune. Better look in the briefcase, Archie. No weapon? No, no weapon. But Doris Murray says she owns a 25 caliber automatic, and it's in her dressing room at the theater. Also, she claims she hadn't seen Stoner since this morning. You found no empty shells about the floor? None. What did you do with the bullet? What bullet? The one which passed through his chest and lodged in the back of the leather chair. Are you there? Boss, I'm a very stupid fella. Stop bragging. The bullet. Boss, there ain't no hole in the back of that chair. I just realized it. Maybe he was standing up. Ah, then the killer must have been on spills. Archie, let us pretend. Only pretend. That you're very observant. Now proceed to Paula Kenyon's apartment, just down the hall, you said, and see what she knows without divulging the fact that Stoner is dead and look sharp. My gears must be slipping. Archie, do you know what great event will be celebrated tomorrow? Yeah, my birthday. What'd you get me? Cuthbert's Correspondence Detective Course in four easy lessons. Bye. This is Paula's apartment. Go in, so let's see if it's open. Ah, there's no one inside. Come on in. Now, look, if anyone walks in on us, we found the door open and we just came in to wait. But it's the truth, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Ah. Here on the desk, we have a stack of horoscopes, Doris. And a box of Paula's monogrammed cigarettes. Mr. Goodwin. Huh? This is Amos Gray Fedora hat. And he was in this apartment this afternoon. What are you staring at? Oh, small pearl-handled automatic. Yes. Twenty-five caliber. Yeah, it's been fired very recently. We won't touch it now. Does it look like yours? Archie, it is mine. Yeah. Your initials? I found old Jenkins, the stage doorman at the theater, to look in my dressing room. And... Well, my gun isn't there. Did you leave the gun out in plain view in the dressing room? Yes, for several days anyway. Then I put it behind the mirror. I suppose many people have seen it. I'm sure. I hope, Doris, that your fingerprints are not the only ones on that gun. If they use my gun to shoot him in my apartment, why would they bring the gun back here and leave it in plain sight? Maybe they didn't do it just that way. No. His hat's here, the gun is here, and yet he's dead in your apartment. How can you answer that? Well, maybe he was sitting here waiting for Paula and someone... Called him out. Nobody your place and shot him. Doesn't make sense. Now, if he was sitting in this chair here and someone entered that door... Hey. What is it? Look in the chair back. Little round hole. Start looking for some empty shells around here. Find something? No, I want to make a call. He was shot with this automatic. Three shells were ejected. I certainly vanished. Here, one speaking. Archie, I'm at Paula Kenyon's. She's not here. Found his hat, a stack of horoscopes on the desk, box of monogrammed cigarettes, a twenty-five automatic which belongs to Miss Moray, recently fired, but not an empty shell in sight. No blood, but a single small hole in the back of the chair near the desk. Doris Moray is with me. I will call Inspector Kramer now about the body and have ballistics check the bullets for the gun. The bullet in the chair back? Did you find anything of particular importance in Amos Stoner's briefcase? Yes, I found... Never mind, bring the girl here at once. Okay, boss. Say, don't you think I'd better wait for Paula Kenyon? Uh-oh, here she is. Bye. Clear along, too, if you can. Goodbye. Hello, Paula. Well, Doris, what are you doing here? I wasn't aware that I left the door unlocked. Seems to be contagious this evening. I left mine unlocked, too. Hello, Dave. Uh, Miss Kenyon and Mr. Goodwin. Hello, Doris. Hello, 
Archie, this is Dave Banning, the playwright. How are you, Mr. Banning? How do you do? I've heard all about your new play, and I wanted to meet you. Doris thought you might be over here, and the door was ajar, so we, well... I just walked in. I hope you don't mind, Paul. Certainly not. I'm used to people just walking in. We were here a while ago and went down to the cocktail lounge for a while. When does the play open? I have you cast it yet. The Mr. Stoner handles that part of it. Are you a prospective investor, Goodwin? Oh, I've had a number of flings in the business. Matter of fact, I expect to see Mr. Stoner tonight. You do? Tonight? Here? I don't understand. What's this fencing all about? Doris, you're not just visiting me. We've hardly spoken for... Oh. Is that your gun, Miss Kenyon? It's yours, Doris. Yes, that's right, Paul. It was in my dressing room. When did you see Mr. Stoner last? I haven't seen him today. I had lunch with him. Why? What hat did he wear at lunchtime, Mr. Manning? Why, the gray fedora. How did it get here? That's Amos. What is this? What are you two doing here? Where is Amos? Come on, cut out the melodramatics. Mr. Stoner is dead. He's what? Paula. And without any further explanation, I shall have to ask you to accompany me downtown. Police? If you will, please. Still in the front room, boss. I'll bring him into your office when you're ready. Yes, R.G., I'm sure they're all anxious to talk. They've been sitting there for an hour now. Maybe we ought to make some sort of explanation to them, huh? Why? This sort of technique should work very well in this particular instance. Yeah, but I don't know about that director, Rick Hunter. He may be difficult. Does anyone know that you found the completed and signed contract in the briefcase? No one. Mm-hmm. Good. Now we have the thread notes, the contract... The afternoon newspaper, the briefcase, the fedora hat, the gun, no ejected shells, the horoscope, the cigarette, and the two chairs. One with a small hole in it. Come in. Ah, Inspector Kramer at last. Uh, what have you? Well, we covered every inch of that place and didn't find a single empty shell. There were two bullets in the body and the one that passed through him into the chair back in Paula Kenyon's place. They were all three fired from Doris Moray's little automatic. Any fingerprints on the gun? None but Doris Moray's. Not unexpected, to say the least. The bullet that was lodged in the chair in Paula's place went through his heart. Now, he was apparently shot in her room, but... Uh... And how did he get into Doris Moray's place? I'll be able to explain that when we locate those three empty shells, Inspector. Bring our guests in, Archie. Come in, please. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Nero Wolfe. Miss Paula Kenyon. Hello. Miss Doris Moray. Hello. Rick Hunter, the director. How do you do? David Banning, the playwright. How do you do? Won't you be seated, please? May I present Inspector Kramer of Homicide? How do you do, Inspector? Mr. Wolfe has asked you here to give such details as you recall, which might be of assistance to him in the solution of the murder of Emil Stoner. Mr. Hunter, as the director, whom did you favor as the star of your next production? Why, Doris Moray. You have been deeply interested in Miss Murray? Hasn't done me much good. But you do love her? I do. And you are deeply interested in the progress of her career? I am, most assuredly. Did you know that Mr. Stoner had made out and signed a contract for a certain woman to play the lead in the new show? No. You knew that Doris Murray had a gun in her dressing room? Yes. You were in the hotel cocktail lounge all afternoon until you met Doris and Mr. Goodwin? Yes. And you could have seen Emil Stoner into the lobby and go to the elevator. I could. Could you prove that you never left the cocktail lounge until you met Doris and Archie? Maybe not. Did you see Mr. Stoner go into the elevator? I did. Mr. Banning, you wrote the new play. Were you in favor of Miss Murray playing the part? I know. I felt Paula Kenyon was better suited for it. You and Miss Kenyon are engaged to be married? Yes. Anything happened to Mr. Stoner, you as next in line could assign the role as you saw fit? That's correct. Did you know that Mr. Stoner had made a final decision on the part? I did not. He didn't tell you anything about it at lunch today? No, I made a strong plea for Paula. You know about the gun in Miss Murray's dressing room? Everyone did, apparently. Very well. Uh, Miss Kenyon, did Emma Stoner visit your apartment often? Not often. We were not on too friendly terms. Did you phone him to visit you this afternoon? No, who said I did? No one? <laughs> I merely asked. Were you, by any chance, still in love with Emil Stoner? Now, see here, I don't appreciate that kind of talk. Relax, Mr. Banning. I was not in love with Mr. Stoner. That was over. You and Doris Murray were at one time very friendly. Yes. I found out how two-faced she was. 
Emma was a fool to fall for her, but you couldn't tell him anything. All she's interested in is a career. You're not interested in your career, Miss Kenyon. Well, well, yes, in a way. You wanted the star part you phoned Sterner this morning. Yes, but he said he was going to give it to her. You knew about Doris's gun? No, I You recognized it immediately, boss. Well, yes, I knew. What if I did? Then you wrote these threatening notes to Miss Murray. I did not. I did not. You didn't know the contract had already been signed? No. Then you still had a motive to kill him. I wrote those notes. He had nothing to do with it. You can check them on my typewriter. We know, Mr. Manning. We've already done it. I know how it looks, but but Paula didn't do it. I I knew he was coming to her place. I called him. I, I knew Paula was out. I did it. Yes, sir. What did you do with the ejected shell? I threw them away. How many? Three. Oh, no, David. Please don't. I don't believe you, Mr. Banning. Miss Murray, did you know the contract had been made out and signed? No. You're lying, Miss Murray. You said you didn't see Stoner this afternoon. I didn't. You called him and asked him to visit you. You did get the threat notes and they frightened you. But you didn't know they would frighten Stoner. I did not phone him, nor did I see him. Yes, you did. His briefcase was on the piano. And he was there in the late afternoon because he brought with him a four o'clock edition of the Herald Tribune. What if he was there? I didn't kill him. He told you then about his decision. He left Hurriday. We got the briefcase and went to Paula's apartment to wait for her. That's not true. That's not true. Filled with rage, you got your gun, which you said had disappeared from your dressing room. Then calmly put it into your bag, walked across the hall, and shot him as he sat reading a horoscope. No, no, no. Archie, a handbag. Thank you. Notice. I run my finger through a hole in the corner. She fired through the bag. And see, three empty shells. No. And here's a contract made out to Paula Kenyon. Too bad, Miss Murray. Well, that's a good day's work, boss. And be Archie. Right. Say, tell me, how did Stoner, if he was shot in Paula's room, get back to Doris's room? She couldn't carry him. Oh, now, Archie, that's not too difficult. He walked. Shot through the heart? Impossible. That's a fallacy, Archie. Official medical records show that people have walked a block in such instances. No wonder Doris was so shocked when she saw him back in her room. The shooting took place after she called us, and it seemed unbelievable that anyone would leave the gun and not the ejected shells. Although the gun must have been concealed when fired. Yeah. Paula would have no reason to do that, because she was in her own apartment. And these men are not the type who would have fired through their coats. And Doris, before she started down the hall, would naturally conceal the gun, huh? In a handbag. Where else? Boss. Midnight. It's another day. <laughs> I'm a year older. Yes. Hmm. Cuthbert's correspondence detective course in four easy lessons. <laughs> Happy birthday, Archie. You have been listening to The New Adventures of Nero Wolf, starring Sidney Greenstreet. Tonight's transcribed story was based on the characters created by Rex Stout. This is an Edwin Fadiman program, produced and directed by J. Donald Wilson. In the cast were Gerald Moore as Archie Goodwin, and Gene Bates, Betty Lou Gerson, Bill Johnstone, Peter Leeds, and Vic Perrin. Next week at this same time, Nero Wolfe and Archie will bring you The Case of the Party for Death. Don Stanley speaking. Nero Wolf's office, Archie Goodwin speaking. No, I'm sorry, Mr. Wolf is busy planning a menu. I'll see if he can talk to you. What's the name again? You want to talk to a dame named Mrs. Collins? Hang up, Archie. Do we know a Mrs. Collins? No. I don't suppose you care, but I think her voice is very charming. Doubtless. Every female has a charming voice to you. Hang up. Okay. 
I'm sorry, Mrs. Collins, but at the moment, Mr. Wolf is too involved with his digestive system to be interrupted. However, if I may introduce myself, Archie Goodwin, uh, Mr. Wolf's assistant, if I can be of any help. Archie. Uh, yes, Mrs. Collins, I'll ask him. Cocktail party. Hang up, Archie. Mrs. Collins, I'm afraid it would be better if you didn't expect Mr. Wolf. Goodbye. Cocktails. Foy. Sad. Very absurd. She says you promised to come to her cocktail party, and why aren't you there? Because you are going to attend the cocktail party and the probable unpleasant ending. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that genius who is the bulkiest, bulkiest, the most ponderous and most brilliant detective in the world. Yes, none other than that chair-borne mass of unpredictable intellect, Nero Wolfe, created by Rex Stout and brought to you in a new series of adventures over this NBC network in the person of Mr. Sidney Greenstreet. <laughs> Mr. Wolf and I refer to this as the case of the party for death. Nero Wolf really should have gone to the party since he'd accepted, but I was delegated. I can't complain now since it was there that I met Georgia, the most beautiful redhead. Well, that's my weakness, redheads. Yeah, and blondes and brunettes. And... Well, anyway, Mr. Wolf was adamant about going to the party. I've never been to a cocktail party in my life. You know, I drink nothing but beer. You could take your beer with you, couldn't you? I could not. Do we know a Mrs. Collins whose cocktail party you said you'd go to? The phone rang and I picked it up. Where was I? Exactly. Okay. So a Mrs. Collins with a beautiful, seductive voice conned you into accepting an invitation to a cocktail party that you knew you weren't going to. Archie. Yes, master. Just a little less sarcasm, perhaps. Sarcasm? Call it impertinence, then. Impertinence, master? Exactly. Less of that. Much less. Okay. Continue now. Where was I? You were eating the duck recipe. Oh, yes, the duck. Oh, here we are. Dodine de Canard. The Dodine is one of the oldest dishes in the repertory of French cooking, being mentioned in books of the 14th century. Le Grand Cousinier de Tout Cousinier. Hooey, what time is it, Archie? Almost 6.30. Oh, in that case... Uh, You're going to get up? Uh, here on this card are your instructions, Archie. If you are still alive tomorrow, you may make your report. I helped the huge bulk that was Nero Wolf out of his specially built desk chair and walked with him to the elevator that would take him upstairs to his orchids. I stepped back to the desk and found the card which bore my instructions. In his small, perfect handwriting, I read, Mrs. Albert Collins, Empire Towers. Arrive at 7, say I sent you. After the murder, telephone me before the police arrive. At exactly 7, I rang Mrs. Collins' doorbell. Mrs. Collins? I'm Mrs. Collins. I'm Archie Goodwin. We talked on the phone a little while ago. Oh, oh yes. Well, uh, come in, Mr. Goodwin. Uh, Mr. Wolf begs to be excused. At the last moment, he was unable to attend. Well, I'm glad you could come. You're not disappointed? No, I, I don't think so. I'm, I'm rather upset. I'm afraid, Mr. Goodwin, for my life. That's why I called Mr. Wolf. Oh, oh, just drop your hat and coat there, Mr. Goodwin. Uh, may I tell you something, Mrs. Collins? Well, of course, Mr. Goodwin. Archie will do. Archie? When I spoke to you on the phone, I thought I knew what you'd look like. And? You do. Well, is that good? It's not bad, Mrs. Collins. Janie will do. Janie will do. Um, Archie, mm -hmm. I, um, I think it would be best if I say you're an old beau of mine. From where? Uh, in Hollywood. When I went to Hollywood High School and you went to USC. Okay, but don't expect me to remember much about it. I'd be flattered if you remember anything about it. <laughs> I want you to keep your eyes and ears open. Observe everything tonight. Well, now shall we join the party? <laughs> well, Albert, this is Archie Goodwin. 
Archie, this is my husband, Albert. How do you do? Hello. And this is Joe Boyce, my husband's partner. How do you do? Boyce? I told you about Archie, Albert, but I guess you probably don't remember, do you? No, I don't. When I was in high school and he went to USC. Oh. Yeah, sure. What did you have, Goodwin? I'd like a plain lime and soda. Oh, not really. A teetotaler now? Yes, I, uh, well, I used to overdo it, uh-huh. remember? So you knew my wife in Hollywood? Quite a while ago, though. Uh-huh. Is it here long? Oh, a while. Did you and my wife run into each other again just lately? Yeah. A few days ago? About. Joe Boyce here is my partner, chemical business. Makes this sort of an old home week, doesn't it, Joe? In a way, Al. I guess it does at that. Joe knew my wife back in those days, too. And they're still very friendly. Yeah. Yes, indeed. You two have got something in common to talk about, haven't you, Goodman? Mrs. Collins, you mean? Uh, we never knew each other very well. No? Okay, Goodman, let it go. Why, look. Look what I found. A new man. Just what I need. I'm Georgia. Archie. Archie, dear, will you fix up my drink, please? Anything for a lady. Let's go to the bar. Eh, Archie? I'm determined, Joe. For only the money, our only Jane. I might listen. Oh, Al, can't we talk about it later? I like talking about it now, Joe. You're going to be sorry about this, Al. I am already. But you'll have 20 years or so in prison just being sorry. I've got the papers you forged right here. You're hysterical, Al. Let's face it. The firm went broke, but I suffered too. So let's forget it. Yes, Joe. The firm went broke, but you didn't. I don't think my wife did either. The two of you have everything figured for yourselves. Well, I'm turning the papers over to the D.A. tomorrow. Nero Wolf speaking. Archie, what do you know about this expected murder, if anything? Has it happened yet? No, but who's supposed to get killed? I have the faintest idea, Archie. Then why don't you stop it? That is impossible. I don't even know who's there. You want me to tell you? Not in the least. How am I supposed to prevent it if I don't know what I'm looking for? You're not supposed to prevent it, Archie. I don't think you could. I don't think anybody could. You want to hear what I found out already? No. I'll tell you anyway. Collins thinks his wife and his partner, Boyce, have been stealing his dough, and he's threatening to send Boyce to the clink. Archie. Yeah? You're wasting our time. Go back to the party. There is nothing you can do to prevent the murder. But I want you to be there when it happens. Now that all the guests have gone, let's uh, sit down here, Georgie. When Janie was in Hollywood, she must have had more good-looking boyfriends. Let's get personal about this, Georgie. Yeah, let's. When you say good-looking, do you mean me? I don't mean anybody else, Archie. You know, I think you're pretty, too. You better not let Jane hear you say that. You think she'd care? I thought you knew Jane. Only slightly. You don't like Jane too well, do you? Why? Why? Why what? Why don't you tell the truth about it? No man as attractive as you ever knew Jane slightly. Either they knew her or they didn't know her. Maybe you think I'm getting a little tipsy. The idea never occurred to me. No? Well, it has to me. Refill your glass? I'll come with you to the bar. Uh, here's your drink, Georgia. Oh, I find there's no ice left in the ice bucket. Janie? Hey, Janie, no ice. Oh, well, I'll get them. Here, give me the bucket. Uh, Mrs. Collins, uh, Janie, I mean. Yes, Archie? May I use the phone in the bedroom again? Oh, of course. You excuse me for a minute, Georgia? I'm coming with you. Uh, why don't you just stay here until Jane brings the ice? Well, why don't you go talk to Joe Boyce? I don't want to talk to Joe Boyce. I don't want to talk to Joe Boyce ever. Now, look, Georgia. I'm coming with you, Archie. Is that clear? Okay, come on. Here's where the phone is. I could have found it myself. You don't want me with you, do you? Just sit down here on the edge of the bed and listen, if that's what you want to do. Here, Wolf speaking. Archie, boss. Well, Archie, what? Just a bit of a report. Go on. At this moment, I am sitting on the edge of one of two twin beds in the apartment of Mr. and Mrs. Albert Collins. Sitting next to me is a gorgeous redhead named Georgia. Georgia what, dear? Boyce. You mean you're the wife of Joe Boyce? Of course. Didn't you know? 
I'm sitting next to the gorgeous red-headed wife of Albert Collins' partner, Joe Boyce. Archie, you annoy me. From what I just learned, I can see there's another friction going on. You mean George and Jane? Yep, fireworks between them. This one no like other ones. Have anything more to say? When I called, I was going to ask if there's any reason why I shouldn't come home now. I wrote your instructions for you, Archie. After the murder, call you. Yeah, that's perfectly clear, isn't it? But what if there isn't any? Don't call me. <laughs> Simple, isn't it? Hello. He hung up. Archie. What? That was a strange conversation. Do you want me to explain it to you, honey? What was that business about murder? Shall we join the party? Murder. Archie, wouldn't you be surprised if there was one? Yeah? Who's going to do what and to whom? I don't know. Maybe I will. Elucidate, honey. Do you intend to figure as the killer or the corpse? I don't intend to figure as anything. But you never know. Archie, do you think Jane Collins is better looking than me? Nope. Honestly? Honestly. Then what's the matter with me? Nothing. Nothing at all. Oh, yes, dear. Look, do you want to kiss me? I... Well, I'll tell you. When I graduated from Sunday school, I took a vow. That's what I mean. But if I were Jane, you'd want to kiss me, wouldn't you? No, frankly, no. Why not? Well, when I graduated from Sunday school, I... Okay, Archie. Let's go back. You boys have such happy faces. Where's Jane? In the kitchen getting some ice. Where have you been? With Archie. Is he an old school chum of yours, too? Do you care, Joe? No. Mr. Boyce. What? How much do you weigh? 187. Why? And I'll be giving you five pounds. Shall we step outside? This I have got to see. Shut up. Mr. Goodwin, you seem angry. Just terribly, terribly hurt. Would it do any good if I apologized? Today I'm a little upset. If I said anything to offend you, I do apologize. Now, um... Did you still want me to give you a boxing lesson? I'm at your service. Let's forget it. I'm sorry, too. Jane Collins came in from the kitchen with a bucket of ice cubes, a tray of fresh glasses, and the strapless gown she'd been wearing. There. There. I never thought I'd make it. Now I'm going to mix my own drink, and you can take care of yourselves. Iceberg. Huh? Whiskey. And soda. <laughs> The simple recipe, isn't it, Archie? All it needs is the ingredients. I drink to the ingredients. Mm. Ah, nice. Janie, darling. What, dear? Would you mind very much if I took Archie away from you? Uh-huh. Haven't you done that already, dear? To listen to those girls, you'd think, wouldn't you, Goodwin? Me, I never think. What do you do, Archie? I concentrate. On what? On not thinking. I did some serious concentrating on not thinking about Nero Wolfe or about the conflict of the partners, Albert Collins and Joe Boyce, about the jealousies of Jane and Georgia. The next five minutes hardly seemed an hour. Jane and Boyce murmured to each other. Collins drank gently but firmly. Why can't you be honest, Archie? What's the matter with me? What, Georgia? You weren't listening, were you? To every gorgeous word you said. What did I say? I want to hear it again, just the way you said it before. I said... Why shouldn't there be a murder? Why not? It's an order. It's just not considered the thing to do. Thing to do? Can you think of anything better? No, frankly. I can. My glass is empty. My glass is empty, too. Jane. Jane! Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm not much of a hostess, am I? Don't answer that. Oh, you're all empty. But I've only drunk half of mine. You don't usually drink so slowly, Jane. I'm just not in the mood tonight. I usually drink faster to keep you from drinking mine. You see, Albert always gulps his and then reaches for mine. What's the difference? And I'll fix you some fresh drinks, but uh, put my drink over there by you, Georgia, and lay off, Albert. I only had about three swallows of it. Besides, you don't need any more. I suppose we know what dear Jane is going to do, don't we? Lay off, will you? Lay off. It's my husband who said that, Archie. Archie, meet my husband, Mr. Boyce. I will now explain why dear Jane took our glasses away to the kitchen when she could have poured a drink right here. Listen, George, will you... Mr. Boyce is speaking, Archie. What, Mr. Boyce? Uh, ah, nuts. Mr. Boyce says nuts, Mr. Goodwin. What do you say, Mr. Collins? I think Joe has covered the field. We were talking, weren't we, Archie? Possibly. We were talking about dear Jane. She's got to be always the prettiest, always devastating. 
Right now, she's putting on a completely new face. And in about 20 minutes, when our tongues are hanging out, she'll come back. All horsed up and bright and smiling with another tray of drinks. Yes, you'll take all night to fix them. Well, I'm going to get some air on the balcony. Don't jump off. Al, you're drinking too much lately. I shouldn't worry you, Joe. Especially now. When you start drinking not only your drinks, but everybody else's too, well... Ah, Jane's right. Is that what worries you? Slide Jane's glass down. Hmm. The ice is all melted. You see what I mean? Okay, Joe, let's not be nasty until tomorrow. That gives me an idea. I think I'll propose a toast. Until tomorrow. You know, it may be rather fitting that I should drink a toast from the glass that Janie left until tomorrow. Al. Al? Jane? Janie! Albert! Oh, Albert. Hello, Wolf speaking. May I come home now? Oh, hello, Archie. I said, may I come home now? Have you sent for the police, Inspector Kramer? Of course. Who was killed, Archie? Albert Collins. How, Archie? I don't know. You were right, though, weren't you? Actually, about what? Murder. Oh, that. We can talk about it tomorrow. Good night, Archie. Come home when you can. What do you mean, come home when I can? You'll be held as a witness, won't you? (laughs) Try not to wake me with the elevator when you come in. Well, Inspector Kramer, you've had me here at headquarters for a long while. For quite a long while. Haven't you asked me enough questions? Goodwin, you say you never saw these people before, Collins or Boyce or their wives. Yet when all the other guests had gone, you were still there. I guess I just don't know how to say goodbye. You didn't know they were partners in a chemical company. You didn't know that Boyce had forged a lot of papers with Collins' name. All I know is what you tell me. Goodwin. Yes, sir? I'm trying to be nice. Yes, sir. Now, I know, of course, that you went to that party because Nero Wolf told you to. Do you? My question is, how did Wolf know it was going to happen? Why don't you ask him? I already have. He told you? He says he never heard of Collins or Boyce. Did he say he'd ever heard of me? He says he isn't responsible for you or your shady friends. Maybe he knows I found a poison pellet in George's bag. Inspector, may I make an important call? Go ahead. Argy, Argy. Confounded light. Hello. What time is it, Master? Confounded, Archie. I'll tell you what time it is. It's a little after 4 a.m. I'm at Central Headquarters, and Inspector Kramer has been chatting with me about my shady friends. Kramer is a jackass. Just a second. Uh, pick up the other phone, will you, Inspector? Uh, sorry, Mr. Wolf. What was that you were saying about Inspector Kramer? I said Kramer is a jackass. Thank you. Wait a minute. Wolf! Oh, eavesdropping, Inspector. I was just talking about bringing you down here for a little questioning, Wolf. Bowie. What's that? Bowie. It can be spelled in several ways. I spell it P-F-U-I. Fooey. You think I won't bring you down here as a material witness? Yes, I think you won't. I think you'd be making a great mistake if you did. A great mistake? Why? Because I might not tell you who killed Collins. Then you wouldn't know which one of these people to prefer charges against. Now send Archie home. Even he needs an occasional night's sleep. <laughs> he hung up. So it seems. Busy? He's probably left the phone off the hook, Inspector. By now, he's probably asleep again. Well, you know I can go out there, don't you? Sure you can. More important men than you have tried it. And where are they now? Goodwin? Yes, sir? I'm going to let you go. I'm sure Mr. Wolf and I are very grateful, Inspector. 
You want to know why I'm letting you go? I know why. Why? Because if you're nice and cooperative and don't make too much trouble, Mr. Wolf will solve this case for you and tell you whom to prefer charges against. Goodwin. Sir? Get out. Thank you, Inspector. Good morning, Inspector. At three o'clock the next afternoon, I was rearranging the furniture in Nero Wolf's office while the great man sat behind his desk watching me perspire. Are you finished now, Archie? I guess so. And tell me where they sat. There were two couches, like this, in front of a fireplace. Collins and Boyce were sitting together on one couch. When Georgia and I came in, they were looking at some canceled checks. Where was Mrs. Collins? I told you she was getting ice and fresh glasses. Why was she getting fresh glasses, Archie? Where were the empty ones? I don't know. Maybe they were the same ones she brought back washed and polished. Archie, I trust your powers of observation absolutely. That's why I sent you to Mrs. Collins' cocktail party. Okay, how did you know there was going to be a murder? If it was a murder. It was a murder, Archie. But isn't it obvious? How is it obvious? Suppose Collins slipped a few drops of the poison into his drink himself. It's very strong, very deadly poison. With a remarkably strong odor. Like almonds, I know. I smelled it when I picked him up. Archie, was anything found on the body that might have contained the poison, a fountain pen, whatever? Not even that. Inspector Kramer found a poison pellet in Georgia's handbag. He thinks he poisoned Collins' drink. Say, could be. But it wasn't his drink, it was his wife's. Then Georgia was trying to kill Jane, and Collins got it by mistake. We shall soon see, Archie. I was expecting a murder because you told me to expect it. I watched every move that everybody made. There is no possibility that Jane's glass, the glass with the poison in it, was tampered with by anybody. Yes, I believe. Okay. Archie, you're sure, aren't you? Have you ever spent the night with Inspector Kramer? He's really a good man, too. Why did you say he was a jackass? Because he didn't know who killed Collins. Do you? Of course. Is there ever any question about it? Just a moment, please. The only trouble is it may be difficult to prove. That's why we are giving this little cocktail party this afternoon with the help of Inspector Kramer. By the way... Yes? Call Mrs. Collins and tell her to bring a bucket of ice from her refrigerator. Why? Because our refrigerator's broken down. No, it hasn't. I was just out in the kitchen a minute ago. Our refrigerator has broken down. And it would be very helpful if Mrs. Collins would bring a bucket of ice cubes. What makes you think she'll do it? She will. Call her. 6.45. There we were in Wolf's office doing a repeat performance of last night's smash hit. Two couches faced each other, a cocktail table between them. On one couch, red-headed Georgia and me. On the other couch, it was a big one, Joe Boyce, Jane Collins, widow of the lately defunct Albert, and Nero Wolf. Jane had been drinking a little slower than the rest of us. Our glasses were empty. Hers was still half full. Wolf said, Margie. Yeah? At this point in last night's party, Mrs. Collins got up and left to get some fresh drinks. Repeat what she said. Approximately. Approximately will do. I think she said something like this. She said, um, put my drink over by you, Georgia. Lay off, Albert. I've had about three swallows of it. Besides, you don't need any more, Albert. Am I right, Jane? Close enough, Archie. But what of it? Now, what is this nonsense all about, Wolf? Uh, Mr. Wolf is trying to make something out of nothing. I think Mr. Wolf is going to turn up something mighty interesting. Don't look so perturbed, Joe. Since I am playing the part of the late Mr. Collins, pass me Jane's glass. I'll keep my glass, Mr. Wolf. I haven't finished my drink. You're a very clever woman, Mrs. Collins. Would it be too much if I ask what this is all about? But what is you, Archie? You make it sound as if that drink she's holding is poison. But it can't be, because as yesterday, she's already drunk half of it herself. When our freezer broke down, she was more than willing to bring a bucket of ice cubes, wasn't she? So? What would happen, Archie, if you froze a gelatine-coated pellet of poison in the center of one particular ice cube? Mrs. Collins hasn't finished her drink. Notice the ice is all melted now. She hasn't taken one sip since the ice melted completely. She came prepared in case she was exposed. Smell it, Archie. No, Archie, stand back. I can easily swallow this before you can reach me. Mr. Wolf, in a few seconds, I'll drink it. But tell me something first. 
Tell me how you knew. Jane, Jane, listen to me. I knew there was going to be a murder last night because you said so. I knew that it was you who would commit the murder because it was you who invited me. You hoped an expert witness would prove that you couldn't have killed your husband. So I sent Archie Goodwin, whose observations are always exact, even when he doesn't know the import of what he's observing. She brought back clean glasses. She poured the drinks out of bottles already open. And if anybody had put anything in or touched one of those glasses, I would have seen it. Exactly. The poison pellet was frozen in a certain ice cube. Mrs. Collins put that cube in her own drink, drank it until the ice had almost melted down to the poisonous pellet center. And then, then she took all the other glasses away, leaving only hers half full. And as usual, her husband drank it. No, no, Jane, don't. Don't. Too late, Joe. Too late. Well, boss, Jane didn't get away with the suicide try. I was clever thinking you did. I prepared a cube of ice in which I had frozen a gelatine capsule containing nothing more than a vitamin compound. I substituted for the cube in which Jane had placed the poison for herself. wonder why Jane Collins wanted to have Joe. He'd stolen practically all the money in the company. He's just a crook. Birds of a feather, Archie. I don't believe Joe Boyce had any idea that Jane was planning a murder. And he still had all the money. Well, the forgeries will put him away for a long time. And poor Georgia could have had it pinned on her if it hadn't been for me. Yes, yes. You knew all along, didn't you, that Jane had planned to have Georgia accused by planting another pellet of the poison in Georgia's handbag. Jane would have gotten rid of her husband and Joe's wife in one stroke. You knew all that, didn't you? Well, I... Um... How about a bottle of beer, boss? <laughs> Could you spare the time? <sighs> Georgia. Beautiful redhead. Wonder where she is tonight. I'm sure I haven't the slightest idea, but in case you do... <laughs> Well, just be quiet with the elevator door when you come in. Well, legends, thank you for listening in on this double episode. Nero Wolf is one of the most sassiest fellas around and I love him for it. I never know what he'll say next that will have me laughing aloud whilst I edit every minute of each episode. Mates, thank you so much for joining me today. You can be Little Legends by supporting the show through my Patreon. You'll find the link in the show notes. We're as little as a cup of tea a month. will support this show to grow and keep those pesky advertisements away. Also, I love hearing from listeners via my iTunes reviews. So, if you have some spare time, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. Listeners, a huge thank you to my Ode Nightsy Titan, Hall of Famer, Majestic Maya. Thank you so much for your incredible support over the years. And a mega thank you to the legendary White Tea Warlord, Leza Bauer, the King of Kings. It's always a joy hearing from you, Leza, and reading your correspondence always brightens my day. Your donations have paid off my website plan and subsidize a good chunk of my Photoshop plan. And for that, I am super duper grateful. I'm also upgrading my editing software some more so that I can really fine tune the audio when it comes to OTRs. And lastly, I've been able to upgrade an old keyboard of mine that frankly was on the fritz. Now I have a brilliant Logitech wireless that I can use comfortably. You're a legend, mate. And I really appreciate what you contribute to this show. Lots of love your way, buddy. And my epic Eternals, my ill-grain forces I am lucky to have. Just Heather, Juicebox Andy, Peter Raffelli, Michelangelo Yacone, divided by zero, Leah Fassig, Alia Arcane, Solstra, and Paige Kramer. As well as my essential supporters, Catherine Mason, and my chamomile supporter, Sunshine Days. Thank you to all that support me. You put a smile on my face every time I upload, knowing that I have people who cherish the art of storytelling and are happy to send some love to a storyteller. Thank you immensely. 
You'll catch me next week, where I'll be narrating a story from an old favourite author of mine, actually, and supporting an old Patreon supporter who turned author. So I can't wait for you to join me then. Now write your story, share your tale, make it creepy or something silly about a snail, but remember that little tremor that crawls up your spine, or the tingle that makes you smile from a perfect plotline. That's the magic of storytelling. Like tea, it's divine. You took the time to listen to me, and you think that it was your treat. But I thank you, my friends, for the listen. And as always, till next we meet.